sorry, Barb, do you want to talk more? No, this is good. I'm, I'm here to give support. Uh, so, but I should say, despite all this, and you're asking us all these wonderful questions and we're actually pretending like we know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't supposed to cave this early. That was going to be the big reveal. Welcome to the MSLA podcast. Uh, This is a solo cast by Luke. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the librarian at uh, Wilson Middle School in Natick, Mass. Uh, So thank you for listening. This is continued hype about the conference that we have coming up at the end of this month. And I have two awesome guests with me, one returning and one for the first time. Suzanne, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, sure thing. Um, Hi, Luke. Um, I am Suzanne Larson, and I am the high school library media specialist at Seekonk High School down in Seekonk, Massachusetts, which is is Massachusetts, but it's super close to Providence. (laughs) And uh, Barb is back. We've had Barb on the podcast before. Barb, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Barb Fecto. You may have heard me rambling on previously, and I'll probably do it again today. I'm the librarian at Beverly High School, and I teach in the library media program at Salem State. So we are here to talk about a very angular looking acronym, I noticed as it was getting thrown around, MTCBA, or the Massachusetts Teen Choice Book Award. We're going to talk about the origin of it and what you're going to ex- be able to expect at the conference, um, you know, that we are, you know, fast approaching as we get into the spring. Suzanne, I was hoping you'd kind of outline the origin story because when I saw the, um, you know, requests for help and assistance and getting involved with this on the listserv, your name came up a lot. Sure. Uh, well, it's kind of an interesting origin story. I feel like a superhero um, <laughs> <laughs> that I had, I, you know, I've been doing what I've been doing about 10 years. I was a career changer and I, you know, I love librarianship and I don't know why it took me so long, um, but I was hunting around saying, oh, well, where's the, you know, the teen book award for Massachusetts? There, there must be, of course, because, you know, many states have them, um, you know, everything from the Texas Bluebell or Blue Bonnet, what, whatever they go by, but, you know, many states have them. And so I happen to be uh, actually with Barb. Uh, she and I are um, friends from, I don't know, way back. And we've been on a few projects together. And I know that she knows all and sees all. So I said, Barb, where, where's, the, where's the Teen Book Award? Basically, where, where are you hiding it? And we realized that uh, there is not one. Uh, so naturally our next step as the librarians that we are, um, is to say, Hmm, maybe this is something that we need to need to create now full disclosure. Yeah, there had, I guess there had been some interest in some, some years ago. Um, and we did some research, didn't find that it had really come to much more than some discussions, et cetera. Um, if anybody's listening to this and was involved the first time and wants to join us, please reach out. Um, but it's really seemed that it would be uh, a great opportunity. Uh, people kind of love lists. I know I do. Um, and we really wanted to give the, the teens of Massachusetts some voice and choice. There's been a great children's Massachusetts Children's Book Award for a number of years. And my, my colleagues that work with younger grades, you know, rave about it. They think it's a really great thing and kids really respond to it and love getting involved. So we thought there was room for an award for the older kids. Um, Barb, anything to add in terms of your involvement with it? Well, I, you know, love to read and I love YA and I love when kids get excited about it. And so the idea of having choice in a book award 
was a big sell to me, but Sue basically just dragged me along by my hair and said, come on, just help. And so I did. I, I love to work with Barb. So sometimes I invent reasons. I'm not, not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but this, this seemed like a, a really good opportunity. And, you know, as soon as we did put the word out and said, hmm, what do you think about this thing? We got such a great response yeah. um, from people that maybe not necessarily wanted to be hands-on with it, but were cheering us on from afar. Uh, we got huge, I would be remiss, we got huge help from Rhode Island. And oh, I, yeah. we, can we can talk about that a little bit more because we modeled our, our process and our program on it to get us started. Um, and Sarah Hunicki, who's the chair of Rhode Island, um, the Teen Book Award just was so professionally generous. I can't say enough great things about how kind she was. And I'm actually on the Rhode Island Committee, so I'm not gonna not gonna give away any secrets. Um, but I am serving in there, and as I with full uh, full acknowledgement and acceptance that I was lurking on their committee to see how it all works and try to bring it something like it to Massachusetts. I know. I just wanted to say, to be clear, she did not do this under false pretenses because she lives in Rhode Island, but she teaches yeah. in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Yes, we're all, you know, we all cross the border. It's kind of crazy, the whole New England thing. But yes, thank you, Barb, for clarifying. What's the kind of timeline for this? Does it match up with um, like what we're going to be doing for the conference? And like, what do you guys foresee the kind of arc of the year being in terms of their programming? Because I know Rhode Island Teen Book Award has like a like a set schedule for when they release everything. Yeah, we're, it's kind of, um, the, the scheduling is really interesting. That was a big, uh, big piece of it that I was certainly learning when it comes to awards, because of course you want to be considering books that are out and available to read in the marketplace and published. However, you don't want to then take so long to review your list and curate your list that by the time it gets to the kids or the public or wherever that it's, it's old news or old hats. So it's a, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of a tightrope that you're walking in a way sometimes. Um, so, uh, so runs a little, you know, we obviously modeled or we did model our process on how Rhode Island is in terms of the voting and a lot of the great work that they have done um, in terms of keeping it going and how it all works and considering titles. Um, but we, we sort of made the timeline our own because we were so super eager to harness the enthusiasm of what we were hearing, not only in our committee, but um, elsewhere that we really wanted to bring something to the teens of Massachusetts sooner rather than later. So we're considering books um, on a slightly different timeline um, going for this year. We're going to, as you said, announce it. We're going to unveil the big reveal is at MSLA uh, at the end of March. And we're so excited. Barb and I get to do our, do our, our act. I kind of think of us like what Amy Poehler and, and Tina Fey on the awards show. We're going to try to bring that kind of energy uh, to the whole thing. Right, Barb? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Um, but then the idea is that this, this list is out there in the universe for the teens to read, um, to vote on, for libraries to promote, whether it's school libraries, public libraries, and just, you know, all the creative things that we know librarians are going to do with this list. Um, and then the voting is going to happen in the fall in time for the teen summit that is sponsored by the Massachusetts Library Association. And then we get to, you know, really make a big to-do about the, the, the crowned winners as it were. But I mean, we honestly feel our list that, that we're working on, um, it's, it's 
already so many of the books are winners just and just to put them out in the hands of teens and say you pick you you all of these are fabulous so you decide nice now in terms of like it, uh like going through a process like this i feel like the criteria would change year to year based on you know what the zeitgeist is around the publishing industry and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about the process of coming up with this list that will be unveiled at the conference? Sure. I love zeitgeist. Nice. One. Oof, that's, that's really good. Word. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, we decided that, you know, we, the criteria, um, you, you have to decide with any award, you have to decide the criteria, um, and you have to be really clear about it, about the books you want to, because honestly, there's, as we know, there's so many fabulous, amazing, extraordinary books. Um, so we really wanted to consider ones that were published in the last couple of years, um, that were, you know, they were not, a, a third or fourth or fifth in a series um let's see barb remind me of our other criteria i don't have it in front of me um suck <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. um and you know we had all the librarians on the committee they are able in fact they're expected to nominate um titles and so we're not going to any other outside source we're organically building a list uh, based on what we're hearing from kids what we're seeing in terms of circulation um, what we're reading about in terms of reviews and so all of these books are um you know considered kind of perhaps potentially outstanding you know models and it's not any one genre i mean we try to be really um, open to different kinds of genres and including everything because we're, we're really considering ourselves building a list for all kinds of teens um, across the state. And so, you know, we know there's not just one kind of book or that's going to appeal to all teens. So we're, we're really, you know, as something for everybody is kind of our, our um, I don't know, our rallying cry. Uh, so, but I should say, despite all this and you're asking us all these wonderful questions and we're actually pretending like we know what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> we weren't supposed to cave this early that was going to be the big reveal <laughs> 11 minutes for that to happen <laughs> i was waiting for something like that that's just it seems to be just like the mantra of the last few years though in terms of doing this indeed you're on a podcast where we're just winging it too so this is perfect Right. And you just, you, you try something and that's really what is, and we, we've really left ourselves open. We've been really clear with the fantastic members of the committee that we're going to have after we produce this list, we're going to have a meeting, hopefully beverages will be involved somewhere, but that is just meant to say, how do we do? what do you think? How's the process? Kind of reflect a little on how it all worked for us and whether there are things that we need to change, because that's, that's one of the things I really admire about um, the Rhode Island Award is that they have, they have evolved over time and they've changed things and they've looked at their bylaws and say, does this make sense? And they've developed different kinds of evaluation tools. And it's been, you know, it's, it's really inspiring. And so I, that's something that I wanted to build into our year. Um, and then it starts all over again. The fun start will start all over again in the fall as we build a new list um, of the, the new books that are coming out because it's just, it's nonstop. We're, we're really living in this golden age of YA literature, I think. And so it's an exciting time to be thinking about an award like this. For sure. I think um, we were living in a golden age of animation for a while. And I think actually the convergence of like 
um, YA and television culture in a way has kind of spawned that, you know, even if the best stuff isn't being adapted. I know that's something like at the middle school level, like mangas that are being adapted or um, book series that are getting adapted are flying off the shelf. One of the things I'm always fascinated with is kind of the fuzzy line between middle grade and YA when you're talking about your older middle schoolers. My middle school goes to fifth grade as well. So I'm wondering how... Um, leveling like that played into the creation of this list? Uh, that's a great question, actually, because that's something, I don't want to say we struggled with it, but again, we wanted to, our feeling very strongly um, was that we wanted to create a list that was is inclusive on a number of levels, not only reflecting the diversity of the teens of Massachusetts, but even you know a certain age diversity as well. Um, having said that, yeah, there's some titles that are much more appropriate for the high school level. So what we're doing this year, and again, we're willing to revisit it all, is um, we're marking some titles as you know, appropriate for all ages, kind of an all ages title. And the default of the list, however, is going to be a skew a little bit older toward, you know, high school traditional kind of teen levels but we are definitely going to have some some titles on there and we and we've included middle school librarians we have at least a couple on the committee right barb i don't have the yep. list from, yeah yeah so and they have been absolutely invaluable um in terms of reminding us you know the kind of uh, the, the titles that middle schoolers like to see. And it's, it's such an interesting time. I mean, and I don't have to tell you, because you're, you're living it. Um, but just, uh, you know, the kinds of stuff that we're seeing come out and adapted and the kinds of books that kids are, are responding to. I mean, I have books in my library just because there's such an emotional connection. I mean, I don't think I can ever not have the lightning thief in my high school library because right. it's just, it's, it's that, that powerful for kids as a, just, a, you know, as a, as a memory, as a new experience as so. So, yeah, so we're, we're looking to create a list that's going to um, hopefully involve as many kinds of, you know, age range as possible in teens. You know, we think of ourselves as teen and we know that that's a fairly broad category. Oh, yeah. I was talking to my assistant today about this idea of a lot of the best stuff is being published in YA. And there is sort of a, like, um, you know, like I, I, I like kind of envisioning this idea of like 10 years since Ferguson. As, 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 as that as kind of the impetus for a lot of what we're seeing in education right now in terms of professional development and also terms of media that our students are consuming. Um, YA does have a lot of that going. The problem is in order to write it properly, oftentimes you're writing at that content level that according to publishers is often not deemed middle grade. And I've struggled with this and, and I was actually grateful that um, the Ask a Librarian legend column in the last forum over the winter discussed this idea of labeling YA in a um, middle school library where we have teenagers who are clamoring for it, but also have fifth graders in the building. Um, you know, and I, 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 I think that column kind of arrives at like a, that is a tough question indeed. <laughs> and I think I'm still there in terms of what I do. Is that's an interesting space to consider, but uh, probably another episode of the podcast. In terms of someone who might be interested in getting involved with this in the future, because it does sound like you guys are attempting to build something that will, that will be kind of carried forth. And so the idea that you're creating a list that has a little bit of clout, how would you talk to somebody like maybe just coming out of library school 
or new to librarianship that wanted to get into reading YA books or middle grade books in a way that makes them valuable to a committee like this? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I will tell you, I mean, by way of answering, I'll kind of be circle around a little, but we what we have heard um, from, and I, I've not even been on like an award committee. Several members of our committee have served on other kinds of award committees, whether it's at a, you know, a regional level, et cetera. Um, but what is very cool, and I don't want to say is unexpected exactly, because it can make sense if you think about it for a hot second, but when we get together and our, our meetings, our, you know, um, award meetings have been online thus far, and we've, you know, we've got people all across Massachusetts, and people after the first one, I think sort of the buzz was, oh my gosh, this is the best professional development I've had in a long time. Um, being able to just talk books in such a way with colleagues, with people that it's, you know, it's, their, it's all our profession. We're all reading these reviews. We're all seeing some of these titles. We're all excited about some of these authors, but in a place to like share that out. Oh my goodness, uh, because many of us are the only practitioners in the building. So I, I guess to answer somebody who's just coming out of library school um, or getting started and maybe is interested in what, first of all, I would say is leap at the chance if you can. Um, we had so many people apply, which was great. We wanted to take everybody um, but you just, at some point it's, it's too big of a committee really to think long and hard about the way it would, it would work best. Um, but having said that, we're hoping that each year we can add, you know, new members as people maybe, you know, decide not to, not to remain, et cetera. Um, but first, again, somebody new starting their, um, their career, I, you know, I don't know, it, it, Again, some of the best professional development, some of the best ways to connect with people, some of the best ways to find out about what's new, and just at the very, what, what's the term the kids use of a fandom, you know, just to be part of this like fandom of, of books writ large, not any one author, not any one genre, not anyone, because we've got people that are, you know, will will say, oh my gosh, I hate horror, but, you know, I will want to read that, but, and it is, it's been my experience as well that I'm reading things that I wouldn't necessarily, um, I wouldn't reach for and I don't gravitate to, but I want to evaluate and I want to weigh in on for the purposes of the committee. So uh, run, don't walk is I guess, <laughs> if you can get on a committee and if it's something that you enjoy doing and then, oh my goodness, um, it's, it has been a blast. Yeah. I think it's, um, I, my friend Shilpa, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell tales on Shilpa, but she just got into the library business. I like within the past few months and she's so excited about it. And she's like, oh, I wish I could work every day. Like she just loves it. And so she, when I told her about this, she was like, well, no, I'm brand new. It's, you know, it's not going to work. And I'm like, no, we don't, we can get into a rut and we can think that we know everything and she's working you know with circulation and she's at a public library and she sees what's going out you know and she's <laughs> she was doing a little uh nancy drew mission she had one of her teens she's like okay take um find out if your school has this book and if it's circulating because she wanted to you know get a beat <laughs> one of the things that i love about the scoring is that we have a two-tiered scoring system it's four points for quality but three points for like teen appeal, you know, it, it's not, 
because you know we're middle-aged ladies and we like a lot of really good fancy stuff well i'm you know what i say we're middle-aged ladies that's not fair but we are librarians of a certain age most of us although we have some youngsters oh my god let me begin again so we're all working librarians we're not teenagers and so we need to make sure that we try to be in that teenage headspace as much as we can when we're looking at how these books will be received. The idea of like, uh, like, like genre burnout or medium burnout for sure. Cause like at the end of the summer, when I've done all the summer reading, that's middle grade. I just want the author to stop beating me over the head. <laughs> like the basic plot of a book after a while. So I always joke about that. By September, I'm just like done reading kids books. But but by this time, you know, you're kind of back into it again. And I like the longevity of the process allows for so much and casts a wide net. So can you talk a little bit more about the scoring or is that something that's going to be a part of the reveal at the conference? Um, I no, think was, yeah, go ahead. no, I was going to say, I think you can spill it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, I, we borrowed this whole cloth from Rhode Island, but I think it's something we want to stick to. It's a, you know, a rubric system, which is near and dear to the hearts of every, you know, anybody working in education, mm -hmm. um, but it really gives a very clear, you know, criteria about, you know, in terms of the, the narrative and the plot and the pacing and um, all of these kinds of things to consider, but it wraps it up into, you know, a pretty tight package because you've only got seven points to work with. Um, now, having said that, you know, it is super tempting, I think, uh, members of our committee and even myself, sometimes you're like, I want to give a five and a half or, you know, <laughs> you, you want to yeah. shave points either way, because, I mean, we fall in love with books and sometimes, you know, kind of quirky little books, but you'd love to see them have more attention and just know that if they were in the hands of the right reader, that would just be, you know, give, give them wings. So that's the scoring you know, but we fully expect, I mean, you can score a book when you first read it and you're just like, oh, this is, this is delightful. This is life-changing. But as you get closer to curation of the final list, then it becomes more contextual. Like, oh, okay. Do we really need 15 fantasy titles? No, we do not. So hard choice, this must be made. Um, and that's uh, honestly where, as we're heading toward that with our final meeting, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I've told everybody to, you know, carb load and hydrate because it's going to be, it's going to be something. It's going to be a real endurance test to try to come down with just those because we're librarians and we love books. Um, so in, can you guys give me like a ballpark of volume just so we can get kind of a number attached to the work that you've been doing in the run-up to this? Like uh, you started with how many books and you're planning on presenting a list of how many in at the end of, at the end of March? Do you have the list up, Sue? Um, I can certainly find it. We had, looking at the final, 70. yeah, so it's 70, a little over 70. And then that included one, two, three, four, maybe 10 that fell off the list for various reasons, uh, you know, whether it's the criteria or the publication or whatever, you know. So we're looking at, we're considering 70 um, and we are hopeful that that list will go down to something in the, you know, range of no more than 15 to 20. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and again, a lot of these books, these books all had even made it to be part of that 70. They had to be nominated by a professional librarian with, 
you know, well-reviewed um, and really felt like this was something special that needed to be on our radar. So those were the 70 to begin with. They'd already gone, gone through a certain vetting um, and now we've got to shrink it down again. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that meeting's tomorrow night. Yes, that meeting is yep. tomorrow night. So right, if you, those of you out there, if you know anybody on the committee, you know, be nice. <laughs> it's going to be going through a ringer. We're going to go through it tomorrow. <laughs> In terms of librarians getting into a headspace with what they're already thinking of, for National Poetry Month in April and stuff like that. And this is going to be unveiled and they're going to be given this action item. Share it on social media. Uh, are you guys going to be providing, uh, you know, digital space for this and like graphics or any, 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 sorts of, um, any sorts of stuff to just kind of hand over as packages to public and school libraries? And then, um, you know, what can they expect for programming uh, to help this committee implement this for the first year in the, in the months after our conference? We have a fantastic little subcommittee that is our marketing committee, and we've charged them to just go forth and start to create. You know, it's it's interesting being at the ground ground level of this. I mean, they're creating some of these social media accounts, so you will be seeing more. I promise you, all of all of you listeners out there, um, you'll be hearing about this, and hopefully, we'll have a whole package that we'll be unveiling at MSLA about exactly what you outlined, Lucas. What people can do, how to how to promote it. Um, having said that, we're also super excited to say, where are you going to take this? Uh, you know, we know that, um, you know, librarians are, are fonts of unbridled enthusiasm and creativity. And so we'd love to see, you know, the book displays or the, you know, the incentive programs around voting or what have you and kids too. I mean, we've talked about so many things once we you know, brainstorming about all this great stuff. I mean, an obvious one is teens, how can we involve them more um, in not only the voting, but, you know, should they be perhaps a seat on the committee? Should they be, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we're, you know, we're, I don't think we're quite there yet, um, but uh, I think the, 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 the it's wide open, you know, and we want to encourage folks to say, well, what fits with your school, your, your community? Does this puzzle into a summer reading program that you already have? Is it maybe the, the uh, time to, to refresh it or maybe create something new? Um, so we'd love that, but we, we are, we're working on a logo. Um, we're going to have, you know, social media certainly, and we want to create like graphics and things. Um, we have some wonderful people that are Canva wizards in a way that I am not, um, but creating some social graphics about it. And yeah, to get the word out, we know, you know, this first year, maybe it'll be a little uh, quieter, but we, as you pointed out, we really, we do want it to grow and we're trying to lay the foundations in such a way that um, we've got, we've got places to go and it doesn't necessarily live with Barb or myself, it's it can be handed on and, and and live for as long as there is enthusiasm about books, which we all know is forever. <laughs> awesome. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask too is, um, and you know maybe there isn't an answer from you guys about this, but I was wondering if in the meetings and discussions and stuff like that does you know, we talked about, I used the word zeitgeist a minute ago. So does the idea of um, the book censorship that's going on around the country, um, you know, kind of light a fire under the committee to start bringing this, you know, you know to, to shed this kind of light on what are, you know, really the most targeted books 
by a lot of these bannings. Yeah, I mean, I would say, of course, I mean, we're all keenly aware and very concerned um, as 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 professionals um, in this space. Um, I would say that, you know, and it has come up in committee meetings, you know, perhaps there might be titles that, hmm, are, is that is this might be problematic for some communities. Um, we are aware of that, but at the same time, our intention is with a teen book award um, and for public, for school, we're not asking any one school or agency to sort of take this on and, and vet the entire list. Mm -hmm. um, we're saying this, these are some, this is what a group of professional librarians thinks are some of the greatest books right now um, that we would like to put forward to the teens of Massachusetts. Um, so, of course, the, you know, final decisions about a, a kid's access to a book is often in the hands of the family, um, and that is something that we, you know, it, it is what it is, as they say, um, but we also, as I said, as a group of professionals, we're, we're keenly aware of the environment that we've got going on, and almost in a way, it makes our work more important than ever, um, putting out, just get, bringing awareness. I mean, so few communities have a bookstore. So, you know, communities do have public libraries, communities, schools, thank goodness, most of them still have school libraries. And so just for a kid to be able to walk in and say, oh, I, I heard about this list or, and, you know, what, what do you have from this list? Um, that would be tremendously gratifying and being asked to be an active participant by voting and deciding on what the teens deem to be the best of the best um, is, you know, our, I, I think our goal, but I don't know if I've answered your question, Luke, but yeah, we're, we, you're definitely concerned, but we also know as a committee that we've, we've put that aside. We don't want to be scared of any of that kind of stuff. We know that there are, there's great books out there that belong in the hands of teens. Um, and we're thinking about all of the teens of Massachusetts when we think about evaluating and curating this list. No, I think that's great. And I think teen agency will really be a reflection of that by the end, you know, depending on what they pick and seeing what they kind of, um, you know, go with, basically. We hope um, so, yeah. Do you guys have anything else to add? Is there anything else that, like, the MSLA needs to know before the conference? Well, first of all, come to our session. Uh, <laughs> so you want to be on the ground level of, of seeing all of our work and hearing about this. We're we're really anticipating um, that it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, it's and it's exciting. And um, I don't know. I mean, there's there, there's things called Emmys and Oscars, but ours is going to be way better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of an award reveal. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I think so many people to thank. Um, we had a lot of people that were even involved in the early discussions. Um, you know, obviously Rhode Island, and I've mentioned them and I can't thank them enough, but we had people um, that were involved in early discussions. And again, said, I can't necessarily be hands-on, but I'm happy to advise. Um, so you know, it's, it's, we feel like we're building something that belongs to not only all of the libraries and librarians of Massachusetts, but the kids of Massachusetts. And we've really been mindful of that. And so we're so grateful for the support that MSLA has shown us and the Massachusetts library has shown us. And we're, you know, if anybody else is out there who'd like to partner and be a part of this, um, we'd, we'd love to hear about it um, because we want to be as inclusive as possible.
Well, we can leave it there or I can ask you guys for something that you've been reading. Uh, I don't want to give away anything for the conference. So maybe we can limit only to books for adults. But I know that that could be a YA book that you just read and was amazing too. So it can also be something that you're watching on TV or a film that you saw recently. Oh gosh. So I, anyway, I've been so like deeply buried in YA. Um, it's yes, you know, that's all of my reading. Whenever it's funny, my family often asks me, oh, what are you reading? What's good? I'm like, uh, let me give you the list of YA titles um, <laughs> that I, I have been reading. Um, but I kind of give you sort of a, a genre, um, which is interesting in a way. And I sure. find myself gravitating and it may be a reflection on what's going on around us right now, but I seem to be reading a lot of um, Cold War fiction. Yeah. Yes. So whether it's set in that time or whether it's a nonfiction about that, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'm a I'm a Cold War kid in a lot of ways, um, not the band, though, you know, <laughs> but, um, but it was it, this, this, this world feeling of who, you know, the superpowers, et cetera, was so, so present with my growing up. And now this, I'm finding some of the, 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 the sounds that I'm hearing and the discussions and the issues are feeling very familiar. So it's making me revisit. History repeats itself, as they say. So, I mean, I, I, I do find myself, and there's, what's interesting is there's a lot of interesting YA out there now, Cold War, which is, which kind of, I don't know, coincidence? I don't know. Yeah, it's um, interesting, because I got some advanced reading copies for a review that I was writing, and both of them were set in, one was set in communist China, and the other one was set um, in America during the Red Scare. And I was like, <laughs> like yeah. it, it was like a very paranoid feeling all of a sudden you know when I woke up that day and realized like what was going on in Ukraine they, they obviously must have been on the release schedule you know so I guess to that like another interesting question is what other genres or kind of pulses of topics have you been seeing in in YA um, we talked about kind of some of the big ones I think but but that that specific one about Cold War historical fiction is very interesting <laughs> obviously yeah. um, what else are you seeing? Um, I'm definitely seeing, um, you know, a real uh, representation. Um, and it's, it's so incredibly gratifying to see, for, certainly for young adult fiction. I mean, we're in a, it feels like in many ways, um, for contemporary fiction specifically, I'm talking about kind of a, a post period. It used to be maybe the coming out or you know, talking about sexuality or grappling with sexuality or questions about that. And obviously that's, that's still a very prevalent topic in young adult fiction, just given the age of the protagonist, et cetera. Um, but what is neat to see is some, a lot of the fiction that's sort of, I don't wanna say a shrug, but move on beyond. And I see that in my students. It's like, you know, it's fine. The, the pronouns discussion, it's not a, not an argument it's not, we don't have to revisit or relitigate any of this stuff it's just the way it is so let's move on and, and tell the story let's 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 create good well-rounded characters regardless of of their sexuality or the relationships or whatever and those relationships um are you know i'm seeing healthy ones which is good granted again i'm painting with a broad brush because believe me ya you still have you know the death despair drugs and all that so oh <laughs> sure but no you bring up a great point about some of these social justice issues or these identity issues because they're being normalized in the culture you see them being treated matter-of-factly and that's a different mode and i think an important evolution of that archetype 
if you will. And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm so pleased about that. And I see that in my students as well. This sort of, you know, I don't say what's the big deal, but it's really the emphasis is on the story and the narrative and what's happening in the characters. And it's not the, you know, just, just, just the coming out. Um, although that, again, that can be part of the story, but I, I hope I'm making sense. No, definitely. Cause I feel like sometimes one of the critiques of it is that it might be performative or something like that. And, um, you know, as it, goes forth and you know really it's an unfreezing of allowing a lot of these books to be published themselves like the world is more accepting of them so you know companies are beginning to publish more which is which is fantastic so it's nicer to have a wider range of it because then again you're reaching more of those students who need to see themselves in your library exactly and you know the, the sort of the, the windows and mirrors discussion i mean it just feels that there's there's so many positive models even you know even like body positivity i'm really pleased to see you know themes and titles that are talking about things like like that issues like that that you know books that were reflecting a wide range of who our students are and who teens are today it's funny i felt like i read i read three books in a row about gay Latinx teens trying to get into college. And then I read like three books in a row about time travel. And then I read three books in a row about rebellious girls who, you know, have lived in poverty. And I'm like, am I just, is, is it something about <laughs> the way my interlibrary loans are coming in? <laughs> and I'd be like, this is terrible. All three of these books are fantastic. And, you know, on the list, there's there's only room for so many books. And there are two that are both books about kids who want to go to college. You know, the ones I'm thinking about, I'm sure, Sue. Yeah. And they're both charming and they have great protagonists. And they talk about, like, you know, how college is marketed and how you, you know, you might have your dream school, but there's also reality. And, and it's, you know, it's not the main story, but that's definitely something that these kids are thinking about. And they're both freaking perfect. And I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know if there's room for both. Oh. Sorry, that was a little, a wee bit of a spoiler. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, so if you asked for a title and I've been spending this time thinking about it. I, I guess, you know, again, keeping with, with my Cold War theme, just to loop back to that would be I, definitely this new Steve Scheinkin. Oh, you know. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it's funny because I'm not uh, I'm not a nonfiction person generally, but you know his his he does such a beautiful job with knitting it all together and telling the story and you know creating a sense of action even in <laughs> events that happened so long ago. Yeah, so we're it's just it's exciting. It is exciting the huge palette of books that we have, and I just I feel very very fortunate that I sort of. I don't know where it stumbled into this, but sort of took this on because it's it's become even more gratifying and professionally fulfilling than I thought it would be. I, I, I thought it would be a lot of work and it is, um, but it's it's so exciting at the same time, you know? And I get to talk to great people like you. Thank you. There's always the sense of the anticipation of the conference at the beginning of March, but kind of uh, getting some marching orders for the rest of the year about something that's like, organic and homegrown you know what I mean it's not like maybe a national trend that somebody like focused on in one part of the state and is talking about like this is something that's just like 
coming from us. And I, I, so I think that's, I think that's going to be really motivating. And uh, for those listening, do not forget that the conference session with Suzanne and Barb, all about what we've been talking about on this podcast, but crucially the reveal of the books is going to be at 2 p.m. on Sunday, March 27th. So we can't wait to see everybody. It is going to be, it's going to be really exciting. So it's, gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) better than my internet thank you so much for having us on luke great to meet you suzanne thank you great to meet you too thank you so much this is great thank you thanks have a great day